On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we talk TV dads, the Urkel phenomenon, and questionable pirate democracy. So don't touch that dial. The TV Yearbook starts now. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of The TV Yearbook, a podcast about the best and worst episodes of iconic television shows. I am your first host, James. And I am your second host, Greg. In each episode of The TV Yearbook, we pick a popular television show from the past and use the internets to discover its best and its worst episode. Then we'll discuss them through the lens of today. And just like your high school yearbook gave superlative awards, such as most likely to forget about graduation because you were playing Fortnite and least congenial. <laughs> At the end of the show, we will share our superlative awards. Right, Dom? Oh, that's right, Greg. I am your third co-host, Dom. Just a reminder for you newcomers so that you can look back, listen, and rate our first two seasons. Season one, we looked at 80s crime-fighting TV. In season two, we looked at 80s and 90s sci-fi. In season three, we are reviewing TGIF royalty. Our show today ran for nine seasons on ABC for all the countable seasons. There was at least one Emmy nomination over 200 episodes and several NAACP Image Awards and nominations. If you like slapstick physical comedy, you have come to the right show. Rumor on the street is that it is one of the longest-running sitcoms from the 80s spilling into the 90s. Our show today is Family Matters. Before we get into the brief summary of the show Family Matters, I do want to make a quick plug that, I don't know if you guys know this, but you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the TV yearbook. And if you like what we are doing here and you'd like to very cheaply, monetarily support us three in making this show, it would be very much appreciated. Hey, you might even get early access to episodes make it worth your while but anyway family matters the show was birthed out of the first season of perfect strangers and in that show harriet winslow was an elevator operator in a newspaper building in chicago and her husband carl fresh off helping john mcclain at nakatomi plaza (laughs) is a police officer and she has three children eddie laura and judy who went upstairs during the fourth season and never returned Of course, the Winslows, and mainly Laura, had to deal with their quirky, genius, nerdy neighbor, Steve Urkel, who would show up unannounced to wreak havoc and go to commercial break with the catchphrase, Did I do that? The answer was always yes. The show mainly focused focused on Steve and Carl, but didn't shy away from serious topics about what really matters. Family. Oh, I I get, I I do see what you did. See that? Incline deep. Tasty. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to start with the best episode. Greg, you are going to give us the 90 second recap, which is season four, episode 12. It's beginning to look a lot like Urkel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it is Christmas time in Chicago. Steve Urkel builds a fake snow flocking machine and wants to decorate Carl Winslow's Christmas tree. Carl says no. Steve does it anyway. The machine (laughs) malfunctions, and it's flocking everywhere. 
Everywhere. Later, Laura Winslow comes out from shopping at a store. Steve pulls up in his goofy smart car and offers her a ride home. Naturally, Urkel then breaks Laura's gifts that she bought. So Laura berates Steve, telling him that she never wants to see him again. Laura's guardian angel, Ty, comes to her and wants to grant her a Christmas wish, and maybe he'll get his angel's wings by helping her. But first, she experiences uh, it's a wonderful life what-if situation, as in what if Steve and her switch spots? So she's transported into a world where Steve is a popular Winslow, loved by all, and Laura is the nerdy next-door Urkel, who's always hitting on Steve because she loves him. He then berates her, saying that he never wants to see her again. After experiencing that, she returns to the normal and realizes how badly it must make him feel when she berates him. Angel Ty tells her that's what he's intended all along. So Laura apologizes, takes a ride home with Steve, and invites Steve to Christmas Eve with the Winslows, where Aunt Rachel sings, Oh, come all ye faithful. And then the star of the tree lights up, telling us that Ty the Angel... Got his wings. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's nice. Best episode. Man, and watching this show, I really just forgot how dumb sitcoms were in the <laughs> 90s. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just simply from a dialogue writing perspective, how much the show is just written for a punchline. Oh, Steve! Oh, don't worry, I'm fine. This bag broke my fall. And my ball broke this bag. It's just so predictable, which this opening scene, when Steve comes in with his flocker, <laughs> you know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I do have to say, I laughed through that entire scene. What? I agree. I could not stop giggling. And it was, it was mainly because of Carl. Yes. Uh, Reginald. <laughs> Reginald Val Johnson. Yeah, Reginald Val Johnson. He was amazing. And just his dry reaction to Urkel is just so funny. Yeah. I, yeah, I laughed, I laughed the whole time. I, I did not. Him sitting there stoically is, <laughs> I guess, is kind of funny. But imagine you're the actor, Reginald Bell Johnson, and you straight up just got done filming Die Hard in 1987. And then they hand you the script to this. And I cannot think of a greater opposite. Mm. Well, in his defense, this is four years approximately after Die Hard. No, Die Hard's 87. Family Matters started in 1988. Yeah, okay. Well, this is season four, though. Well, yeah, not this exact moment. Oh. Do you think that Carl's sitting stoically <laughs> while crap happens because of Urkel? Do you think this is the one episode where that happens? It's the only time. <laughs> it's the one. That's what makes it the best. That's hilarious. Now, I like Carl. I like Reginald Bell Johnson. But he's a police officer. And he is I just... mean, there, there is a problem, I think, that the show is just normalizing home invasion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he comes in, no knock, he just walks in, everyone's okay with it. Carl, a police officer, warns him multiple times to leave. He refuses <laughs> and just destroys the house. Yes. <laughs> it destroys their belongings. He's <laughs> creepily coming on to his daughter the whole time he's there. Always. It is a little bit. It just wouldn't happen today, right? I mean, yes. somehow in the 90s, it was somewhat believable, I well, guess. I mean, 
No, I don't think it was believable. But <laughs> well, you're not saying that either of these episodes were believable. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till we get to the next one. Oh my gosh! Oh, I mean, I yeah, you're right, James. It's the script. It's the one-liners. You know, he pops in, and, and I think it's Laura that says, "Oh, it's the nerd of Christmas past." <laughs> I started rolling at that, and then you know he's got this. He's got a Ghostbusters style backpack on with this flocking device. Richie, this is my latest invention. The amazing Ergo Super Turbo Tree Flocker. A tree flocker? Yep, I can flock anything in less than 30 seconds. In 30 seconds. Oh my god. Stop bragging. This is giggling. I don't know, maybe maybe they're scared of of Steve Urkel, not because of his genius, but because of his strength because in the theme song <laughs> I see Steve Urkel trying to invade the house. The entire family is up against the door trying to keep him out. And it takes all six of them to do so. Not because of his genius, but because of his strength. Because of his broad. Because of his brute strength. Yeah. Obviously. Could be. It makes sense. Did you all remember this theme song? I assume you did from the childhood. Oh, yeah. As soon as the jazz piano comes in. Oh, yeah. It all comes rushing back. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know this. The first five episodes, uh, the theme song was not the theme song. Oh. It was What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Oh, really? Mm. That would have a different vibe entirely. Do either of you find that it's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page? That's my question for you. Oh. It does feel sort of right now. Doesn't so it? maybe that's just all of history. That is just yeah. rare so, for anything so good. Are you trying to make the point that this show has stood the test of time and will? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's exactly the point uh, I'm making. <laughs> it is currently in syndication in Canada. Is it? I read. I read that somewhere. Okay. They gave us Shit's Creek. We gave them Urkel. <laughs> that's not a fair trade. Well, that's wild stuff, but I, I like the theme song a lot. Jesse Frederick is the TGIF theme song guy. He does Family Matters. He does Full House, Step by Step, Perfect Strangers. No so he did all of these theme songs. Oh, wow. He's busy. He is kind of like the Mike Post of theme songs for Friday night sitcoms. On ABC. As Mike Post did everything for, for dramas and crime fighting shows, including the oh. so great Hill Street Blues theme song, which James has come around to. No. Uh, yeah, in the same way that Dom has come around to Babylon 5. Oh, <laughs> we're hey, we're in season. a new season. You can't talk about that. No, you can't talk about that. I'm wearing you down, baby. You know, we talked a, lo- a little bit about Steve, and I I just think that there's a real problem with Steve Urkel. <laughs> yeah. What was your first clue? So he's a serial stalker that everyone's just fine with. He's the hero of the show. Somehow. But later in the episode when Steve uh, meets Laura outside the mall and ends up breaking her present because he's a clumsy idiot, and she had put this vase for her mother on layaway spending her own money for this vase and this fool trips and breaks it and she loses it on him i don't want to think about you i don't want to talk about you and i don't want to hear about you and then steve just like very sadly says all right laura i'll go but i'll never stop loving you and the audience 
What is wrong with people? Are you on team Laura? This this guy should be in jail. <laughs> well, not jail. <laughs> I don't think he'd last very long in, in jail. I'm just not going to take a guess on I mean, it it really... He also stars in Homicide Life on the streets (laughs) later on in his career. (laughs) Orange is the new black, enter Urkel. (laughs) I mean, mean, Urkel took the world by storm. He was a phenomenon. I remember like as a kid, I mean, of course he's funny. But I really felt myself just, I don't know, like... Uncomfortable. Have I just become too old? To just see through this, like it, it felt very similar to when this happened maybe like eight years ago when I just genuinely started hating Ferris Bueller. Whoa. I, I never really loved Ferris Bueller. After Ferris Bueller is a terrible person. I don't like Ferris Bueller. I don't know. It, it sickens me that Ferris Bueller is made to be the hero, someone you sympathize for and Uh you root for. This guy, I'm talking about Ferris Bueller, he Mm -hmm. just needs to get the kicked out of him. That's what he needs. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I might argue the same for Urkel. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Urkel's uh, Urkel's playing a few hands down from Ferris Bueller. They're both bright characters. Urkel is exceptionally annoying. It's almost like he doesn't understand why he's annoying other people. But Which he, is why he should be removed from society. Um, <laughs> is that too, is that too, too harsh? Know. Yeah, I guess that is harsh. He, he invades houses, causes thousands of dollars of property damage, and he <laughs> won't leave this girl alone. Well, I mean, I think that gets us to this episode. This is the favorite episode among fans for some reason. So what happens is Laura's guardian angel makes her the Urkel archetype. And she is the one that annoys everybody. And she Mm -hmm. gets to experience that when she's sucked into the snowball CG that floats into the alternative reality, which was hilarious. Uh, My apologies for any CGI criticisms we've given for any other show on this podcast. It was bad. bad. But what did you think about her Urkel impression? I have a strong opinion about this. She did fantastic. Yeah. As an impression of Urkel, I thought she just destroyed it. And it made me realize how much I don't like Urkel even more. Yeah. <laughs> she was great. I mean, she got in on the innuendo. Yeah. Urkel had his flocking. Do you remember what Laura Urkel's little innuendo? She had two moments. Mm, don't remind me. Well, when Harriet brings out her gingerbread house. Oh, can I be the first to lick your chimney? <laughs> <laughs> I did not remember oh, that. And then when oh, she God. talks about her automatic turkey stuffing machine, how it went <laughs> yeah. loose on her mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, what'd she say? Well, she said, <laughs> Well, so then Laura comes back and she has learned her lesson, which, mm-hmm. 
you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I, I felt that there were two morals lessons that she learned. The first one is, hey, nerds have feelings too. I mean, I looked like a nerd and I, I acted like a nerd, but, but I had feelings just like anybody else. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which seemed a little superficial. Put that on the t-shirt. But then the one that was more disturbing was talking about how she loved Steve you know, in the same way that Urkel loves her, and it felt terrible to be rejected. So if somebody loves you, you should, like, really be nice to them and give in to all of their whims and advances. That's not the lesson. I think that's exactly <laughs> what the lesson is. Kids, do not listen to James. No, James don't listen to Family Matters. That's what it is. <laughs> not me. That's not what they said. That's a few steps outside the lesson. Do whatever they want. She's invited him over for Christmas. That's all. And she shouldn't. That's all. Well, no. This idea that, oh, because Steve loves me, I therefore should be nice to him. That's baloney. I don't. James, it seems like you're concerned about enabling. I'm concerned for Laura's safety. Okay. Oh. (laughs) Well. He's not going to harm her. Urkel is a very gentle I'm told he's very strong. Phys- physically <laughs> physically gentle spirit. Total klutz, right? He would harm her unintentionally, yes. But not we're not talking about predator, I don't think. But you know, the language is not not cool. Okay. Yes. In a prime time Friday night ABC family show, yes, Steve Urkel does not fit the profile of someone that would be on Dateline. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank but you. But still, the idea that, oh, Steve loves me, therefore I should really be nice to him. That's not the lesson. She's that, she, The lesson is... Oh, I wish I could play no. the quote. Really quick side note. Since Carl is a police officer... You know, in one of the episodes, they have fellow people over to dinner. I really wish one of those dinner guests would have been Chris Hansen from Dateline. I think that would have been amazing. And then we could have found then out that this is, been, but Dom, continue yeah. with your theory, please. I, I think, James, you have the lesson wrong. And I don't remember what the line was, but it's not because he loves her. It's that he wants to be included. She wanted to be with Steve, but more she wanted to be with the family. I think is what she felt. And, and Steve, you know, it's easy to... No, no. That's not what that's not what was in the episode. In the episode, I have it right here. I mean, I love Steve with all my heart. But he didn't love me back. It was awful. Oh, really? You know what? I should have been nicer to Steve. I wish I hadn't yelled at him and hurt his feelings. Yeah. It's that's, not because he loves her. Well, look... I'm walking back my point that he's a sexual predator, okay? (laughs) At least we can agree on that. But I am not walking away from one of the lessons that she learns is, look, it feels awful to love someone and that person hate you. And so Laura is going to change her behavior and be nicer to Steve because of that. I do. That's what I'm saying. That's wrong. No, here... No. It would be better if you just said like if leave that part out. Yeah, it felt awful to be hated. So I'm just I'm just going to be nicer to people just in general. But they threw mm. in that point about loving him and being hated and how awful that felt. That's what's tying it together. Bingo. 
I see where you're coming from. Exactly. And, Thank and you. I, you're on my side, I, Dom. Doesn't even matter <laughs> what side you are on. Greg, did hey, you have another? Hey, hey, hey hold, on. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Actually, I'm exhausted by this, so whatever. <laughs> This actually does bring me, when we're talking about, like, how the TGAF Pepe Le Pew, so to speak, yeah. I don't know, it's not a great look. Like, how well did this episode age? Oof. Uh, I mean, the melody of the show is so different from what we see with today's, com- especially sitcoms. Yeah. Some features don't age well, like a lot of cheesy 80s and 90s but i do i think this was a serious episode i feel like you know i took away maybe slightly different morals and lessons than you did <laughs> from it. So i guess i don't want to recycle that but i think you know the the issue of treating people with dignity and respect even if they're super annoying and you don't want them around i think that's the same kind of lesson we keep trying to figure out to me the major reason this is a watchable show is carl winslow I have much respect for Carl Winslow. When I was watching this episode, it brought back a lot of those feelings about, man, what a, it's not like a perfect dad. Like he's fallible. He gets angry. He loses his temper, but he's like always like working on trying to make the right thing happen for his family. And I, I love that about it. So it made me wonder what you guys, when you think about ideal TV dads, where does your mind take you? Oh, Carl's a pretty good dad. I like him better than Danny Tanner from Full House. Definitely. He's so dirty. The dad from Family Ties. I really appreciate Michael Gross because he eventually... Burt Gummer. Uh, ...stars in so many Tremors movies. <laughs> so without Family Ties, his, his, <laughs> being the dad there, we wouldn't see those movies. I don't know. What do you think, Jimmy? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think as a kid I watched any of those shows and thought... I mean, I didn't watch Family Ties... Sha-la-la-la. I don't know what that is. Um, no. Well, let's move on quickly. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the other one with Alan Thicke? Growing Pains. Yeah, growing Pains. Growing Pains. He was I, a thoughtful dad. But Alan Thicke raised a child who gave his best friend the nickname Boner. Mm. So I find that there's something. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were meaning uh, Robin uh, Thicke. No, <laughs> definitely I twerked no, with Miley Kurt, Cyrus. In the show. In the show. <laughs> but I'm sure Robin Thicke has done that at some point in his life. <laughs> what about Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's Great really dad. good. That's right? a good one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. George Bluth or Michael Bluth, I should say. <laughs> George Ma- Yes, no. He's a great dad. A little too much fallibility there. Yeah. But he definitely tries hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> no touching. I can't wait to review that. That's going to be fun. So while I don't think this is the best episode, mm-hmm. yeah, I really think this is considered the best because of Laura. Yeah. What we typically find with best episodes is that there is some quality in the episode that is unique to the entire show. And I think this is the only time that Laura was ever doing an Urkel impression. And Greg, I think opposite maybe of the point you were making earlier, I felt after she was great, but it made me realize how good Jaleel White is at being Steve Urkel. Yeah. 
that's a little bit off from what I was saying. I'm not suggesting that Julia White didn't do a good job with Urkel. Right. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. I just don't like the character. But yeah. I agree that Laura had her uh, quick wit. She also had some real anger. She would have probably called righteous anger at the beginning, but then she talked with the angel. And that's what was my favorite part of the episode. When T.K. Carter showed up <laughs> as the angel, I had a big smile on my face. Yep, Tyrone P. Jackson, but uh, you can call me Ty. I like everything about T.K. Carter. Do you all like T.K. Carter? I, I only know him from the movie Ski Patrol. I don't know that. I've it's, never heard of that movie. It's a bizarre movie from the 80s about a ski patrol on a mountain. It's I, I like out cold. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what out cold was kind of modeled after. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know nothing about TK Carter. The reason why I know him is in the very first season of Saved by the Bell, it wasn't called Saved by the Bell. The episodes when they're in seventh grade with this bliss those episodes had T.K. Carter as the character Milo. Oh, yeah. He is such a smooth talker. I love his voice. I love his attitude. I love his charisma. When T.K. Carter showed up as the angel, I was like, all right, best episode. Interesting. And if he was my garden angel, it'd be a good day. <laughs> I think this should not be the best episode, and I'll tell you why. Number one, it is ripping off. I know you don't like rip-off language, <laughs> but it's entirely using the device from it's a wonderful life there's a little bit of fun and you know spinning away from it but i don't think that's exceptionally creative to be a best episode now well it didn't really rip off i mean i haven't seen it's a wonderful life in quite a while but i don't think jimmy stewart came back as the nerdy neighbor in that movie but what if he did we built some sort of fire I mean, there's an angel that shows up. It's a match. I mean, they are playing the movie in the background. It's an homage. It's not a ripoff. It's it's an homage. Okay, for me, the reasons it's not the best is, number one, I wanted more Carl because you know Mm -hmm. how I feel about Carl. Number two, it feels more fantastical than it does about the family. It's more about Urkel in a way, which again, he becomes a star by this point. I think the reason it is voted is because we see not only Laura's character development and she finds a tender spot for Steve, but we also see her ability to act in a more diverse way than than she had, which I thought was pretty cool. One day my charms will overwhelm you and then you'll fall into my arms and... I'll bear you a busload of fine, strong sons. The other thing I think this pings on is they spend so much of their time trying to make you laugh. Here's a point where they really, the message of the show to to kids watching like we were is, hey, you're probably mean to other people, no matter who you are. <laughs> and Almost certainly. Almost certainly. You've been mean. We all have a need to belong. There might be someone who you view like Urkel in your life. And it's basically a sermon. It's a Christmas sermon. Uh, I don't know if this is the best episode, but I do know there was a, it was missing one key element. And it was missing Waldo. Waldo Geraldo Faldo. It, was that actually his name? <laughs> That's actually his name. Yeah, I remember. What? I forgot about that. Oh. But So I do feel like it's missing one of my favorite characters. But overall, it just doesn't, not right. to reveal too much, but... It's not my favorite show. <laughs> All right. All right. 
Well, before we look at the worst episode, which I am really looking forward to, <laughs> uh, Greg, it sounds like you might be enjoying a new craft soda. Yes, I am. So, sure enough, there are several different varieties of Haritos. You have to roll your R when you say that. There we go. Thank you. Tonight, it oh. is the Mandarin. The Mandalorian. And I've been, yeah, is that Boba? <laughs> <laughs> There's some awesome idea there. Yeah, like with Boba tea slash Boba Fett slash Mandalorian. It yeah, seems like it's there. You just, just got to keep workshopping it. We'll and the it. entire beverage would be a massive copyright violation, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no it's, problem. It's going well so far, and I look forward to sharing more about it after we talk about our worst episode. And our worst episode is Season 8, Episode 24, the last episode of Season 8, the season before its last season. Because it only went for nine seasons. The penultimate season. A pirate's <laughs> life for me. A pirate's life. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> so, Greg, please give us our 90-second recap. All right. So, Carl and his oldest son, Eddie, are watching a pirate movie. Carl wishes that he could sail on a tall ship on the high seas in the 1700s. Steve has a time machine, unfortunately, and he returns from talking with Geronimo, the Native American, and Steve convinces Carl to go back to 1702, where they land on a tall ship. Unfortunately, it's a pirate ship. The pirates immediately make Carl the captain and Urkel the first mate. Of course. But Urkel keeps screwing stuff up until he loses his time machine. So now they're stuck. Meanwhile, Laura and the girls come in. Uh, one of them is Steve's girlfriend, Myra, and she has a time machine, too. So they use it, go back in time to the pirate ship to save Stephen Carl. They perform a song for the pirates to distract him, but ultimately get into a sword fight nonetheless. Five 20th century citizens of Illinois fighting a dozen pirates with swords. They lose. <laughs> they have to walk the plank, but while on the plank, Myra activates her transporter and the five of them go back to the present. Whew. In the final scene, Steve <laughs> shoots a cannonball straight into our TV sets and then speaks to the audience because he wants the cannonball back from us, uh -huh. from our couch. Broke that fourth wall. And that's it. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> um, this show, to say at this point in the show, it has jumped the shark. <laughs> is a massive understatement. Yeah. <laughs> this show has jumped the shark, gone back into the water. It is fiddling with its <laughs> what it's doing. Know. I didn't Do sharks have that? I don't know if they do. Uh, they must. It's just cartilage. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in the scope of the show where it has moved from an ensemble type of show to this is the Carl and Steve show. Yep. Yeah. This is what we're going with. Did you guys notice how Urkel has kind of gone through reverse puberty? <laughs> and his yeah. voice is now higher and more nasally? So I think this is Jaleel White who actually went through puberty and lost his ability to have the original. Do you guys know the show The Goldbergs? I know of it. I do not. Okay. In that show, it's the same thing. There's a nerdy kid, and his voice as he ages, 
he's trying to maintain the same sound, but he hits puberty and it sounds horrible. <laughs> That's what's <laughs> happening with Jaleel White. He's trying to maintain the same sound. It's like Motown. It's like Boys to Men, the hidden octave. It was pretty rough. So yeah, Steve Urkel comes back from from back in time. He was talking with Geronimo and hanging out with the Apaches. He's got a ton of arrows that were obviously shot at him. And he was messing with the Apaches. Like, you don't mess with the Apaches. The legends that they would stick your head on a hill of fire ants if they captured you. And He was trying to introduce them to Polka. And they did not care for it. They did not care for it. Shocking. It was just the first step on a very, very long stairway to insanity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was absurd. I mean, I think they gave Harriet needed a line. So they brought her in with a frozen octopus. And she says, Steve, put a frozen octopus in here. What am I supposed to do with this? And then that's the extent to which she's in the episode. Out. And the extent to which the octopus is in the episode. That makes no sense. Maybe it was foreshadowing (laughs) the high seas in their trip to pirate land. If an octopus would have come out and there was an octopus involved, maybe. But maybe that got cut like the Goonies. Oh, the Goonies. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I like it. I think that's exactly (laughs) what happened. That's exactly what happened. Well, it's important that we figured it out. (laughs) <laughs> all of our lives are more enriched <laughs> no one is now dumber from having listened to <laughs> oh dear listeners now when Carl is unsure about whether he wants to go back to 1700 to look at tall ships which is concerning for a number of reasons but the one thing when Steve decides to convince him that hey take a look the wind on the sails we're staring over the horizon he's telling him about all the glories of going into the past and then guess what comes in nothing but some sweet sweet pan flute (laughs) no yes Just once again, whenever you want to hear of like something mystical or far away, you bring in the pan flute and it does the trick. Wow. No, I miss the I miss the pan flute. So they go back in time. Carl becomes captain immediately. But then Steve, of course, breaks the watch. And now they're stuck there forever, which is a really, really concerning thing. Again, for a lot of different reasons. But it's well, yeah, they're, okay. they're pretty low so key. When, when this happens, Carl is upset which of course you would be. And he's sitting on the boat and he's listing all of the things that he'll miss. <laughs> and the first thing he lists is like hot showers. Yep. And he lists that before missing his family. I mean, so family yes. doesn't matter. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> Carl is certainly missing a few things, like a hot shower. Of course, Steve comes in with the bright side and says, look. There are no nuclear weapons. There's no pollution. And no Polly Shore movies. Ah, there it is. There we go. Really missing Biodome. (laughs) I like Biodome. (laughs) 
in the army what now. <laughs> Son-in-law. Jury duty. Son-in-law is funny, okay? That's, that Encino one. Man. Encino Man. I'm out of Polly Shore movies. Yeah, we all are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you were correcting Carl and said, think of the things that you're not going to miss because oh. we're in the past forever. Uh, gosh. And remember... I told you earlier that I was going to ask you this question. <laughs> I have a good answer. <laughs> I never. Uh, I don't, communism? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That hasn't been invented yet. You could be the inventor. He can be Karl Marx. Oh, oh there yeah. you go. <laughs> I don't We're think cutting so. that. What? Pay $8 for some half hour cruise where you watch some tourist suck on a corn dog? <laughs> Did you notice that uh, you have to do a little dance when you do time traveling? Yeah, <laughs> I, I did, did notice that. I did. Yes, I think that I think there was approximately seven time traveling transitions. Yeah, and when the uh, little can can we call it a special effect? I don't is, know. What do you does, want to call it? Does it fit the criteria yeah, of being it, a special effect? It was an effect, sure, and it was <laughs> unique. Yeah. So it let's did occur. And, let's go ahead and call it a special effect. So the special effect was like a little swirly that would happen on the screen, and to emphasize to the audience that time traveling is happening, as the actor, you must swivel your hips yes. back and forth. Oh, I noticed that. And I thought <laughs> they can't that's not. You just imagine the director of the episode saying, Okay, now here's what we need you to do. There's going to be a special effect. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be All a swirl. All we need you to do is swirl around like you're at the discotheque <laughs> and just pretend like it's happening. And it got better as the episode went. Uh, no, it got the hip thrusts got more severe and the number of people required to do the hip swirls increased because it was originally just Carl and Steve. That's just two. And then it was the three girls. And then it was all, all five, five yeah. of them well, while they're walking the plank together. That's because time mm-hmm. travel doesn't work unless you're touching each other. Now that's, that's a fact. That's the piece me, I've been uh, missing. Let me rephrase. <laughs> <laughs> no touching. <laughs> and then Chris Hansen walks in. Uh, yeah, hey, what's your name? Urkel? Why don't you sit down here for a minute? <laughs> Whoa, Daddy Hormone Rex! Did you guys... My, my favorite part of this episode was when Steve, they just him and Carl arrive, and the pirates are doing, you know, stereotypical pirate talk who you be, or whatever. And Steve corrects the pirate, saying, You hear that, Carl? A Ebonics. He looks to Carl for support <laughs> for correcting the pirate's use of Ebonics. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I don't know why. You know what was not good? Uh, when they did a little dance and sang a little song for the pirates, I would explain the lead-in, but it doesn't make sense. So I'm not going to. All you need to know is at one point... Steve starts singing, sugar pie, honey bunch. Carl joins in. All three girls join in. They do a little dance. The pirates start dancing. It lasts for about 40 seconds until it abruptly ends and the fight begins. And at that point, I'm just going to read exactly what my note said. Sugar pie, honey bunch. This is the worst thing that I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) It's similar to what uh, I was writing. Why are they singing? 
am I having a stroke? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were just trying to use their superior intellect to confuse the dullard pirates and the audience. And the audience was uh, also victimized uh, in the fallout. Did you find that the fight scene? First off, it was longer. I was than impressed I with the fight scene. I'll say that. I was I was actually watching it with a buddy and he said this is a surprisingly long fight scene for family matters. <laughs> <laughs> and I timed it. It was 2 minutes and 14 seconds long. Wow. Like, that's a long fight scene yeah. for a 20 minute show. Yeah. Did you find it well choreographed? I don't I don't find it remarkable the, the choreography other than how could these five people stand up for 10 seconds against professional pirates? In, if this were real. Um, let's please call them Disney pirates because in reality, <laughs> that's what they were. They weren't even Disney pirates. Uh-huh. They were Lake Michigan. Come out on the lake. <laughs> we have a pirate ship out here. No, they were worse than Disney. Yeah, it was pretty absurd. But this particular episode was directed by Joel Swick. He directed My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh. I was like, those are two very different levels of quality. Was I mean, I guess there is dancing in both. A lot of dancing. There's dancing. There's singing. Yeah. Is there okay. a two-minute pirate fight? Group choreography. Yeah. Yeah. Is there hip yeah. swirls? There were some hip movements in both. Hey. Yeah. See, there is conflict. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Gentlemen, why? Why was this the worst episode? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And this, remember, this episode, and this was a season finale. Well, it was supposed to be the series finale, actually. They expected it to be, and then it, the show got picked up by oh, CBS for the ninth wow, season. Wow, that's even worse. It is this, worse. As a series finale, this is what they came up with. I believe that's the case. Wow. Well, back to the original question of why this is the worst. Uh, I think kind of two reasons. One, I think Jaleel White playing Urkel was trying too hard. And it's just absurd now. Right. And and it's just a ridiculous premise. It, it This episode has strayed so far from a show about family values mm-hmm. that I don't even know what's the what's the value here in this episode. What what are we trying to learn here? Fun. I guess fun. At one point, Carl does say the quote, you got us trapped on a ship of cutthroat pirates. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Are they? <laughs> that why did so, they how did the pirates make him captain in less than 90 seconds? They show up, these are these are Well, they voted on it. No, I exactly. Like that never happens. They believe that they were sorcerers. Okay. And so they voted <laughs> on which, it. Which which is historically true sorcery? that that's how captains were decided okay. was based on a vote on all the members of the ship. You're going on public record here that this smells like historical accuracy. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying That's what you said. It smells <laughs> like it I'm saying you have to waft fiercely to get that scent. But it is there. I don't know. I don't know if I can go there with you this time. There is is an element of this pirate democracy of which you speak of. It's new to me. 
but uh, but they're more like guidelines, <laughs> really. No, 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 no. This is true. This is how pirates worked. They voted on their captain. It's this was like okay. a precursor to like democracy, where sure. everyone gets a vote. Even like okay. the lowest mate gets a vote, and who's who's the captain? What about the cabin boy? <laughs> the cabin man. <laughs> These pipes. <laughs> what about the spooky? Oh, a couple weeks on a Stairmaster. I'll burn that baby. Oh, boy. Oh, this episode was bad. Dom, why was this the worst episode? My I gosh. Mean, it's just, there's just too much. I mean, I think. You know, I don't know if you remember at the beginning when Steve comes back from time and he's explaining his exploits and he said, and at the end of the hunger strike, I gave Gandhi a cookie. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. I don't understand. I mean, to me, the only part that's sad about all of those jokes is that there were multiple writers in a room (laughs) and that's the best they came up with. (laughs) For what they thought was the series finale. (laughs) I think maybe they ran out of money and they just said, what? Let's look at our discards and just piece something together here. Frozen octopus, that's good. Let's go with the pirates, that sounds good. You're saying they skimped on the special effects because their budget was running low? And I'm starting to think that that pirate ship wasn't actually on the water. So, so let's talk about just the so series bad. then as a whole. To be truthful, after me and my buddy were watching this pirate episode, and we kind of came up with this with this thesis. This is just the precursor to all future Disney shows, mm. like Hannah Montana, any sort of iCarly, any sort of Sweet Life. All of these shows have the same type of comedy on TGIF in the 90s that those Disney shows have in the 2000s. The only thing they subtract from the 2000s kids shows, they subtract the family part of it. Oh, there are parents, but they're idiots. But it's the same <laughs> laugh track style of jokes. And so all of these TGIF shows were for families in the 1980s and into the 1990s. And they just led in and transitioned into just kids shows in the 2000s. The intentionality behind TGIF was for families to have something to do together. And TV was drawing them in. I mean, remember back in these days, there's no DVR. You were figuring out what to do with your time. And so let's watch TV together. And there's a couple of shows where family-oriented things are going to happen. We'll talk about it. Of course, that never happened. That Just the kids were going to watch and then the adults fall away. And I think that's what made Urkel blow up like it did was the kids couldn't get enough. And people, you remember at school, how many people were saying, did I do that? Or having these little Urkel. Oh, yeah. Well, there was an Urkel doll. Was it a Tickle Me Urkel? (laughs) (laughs) Here comes Chris Hansen again. Um, Speaking of an Urkel doll, when I was going through and finding the episode, there is a Halloween episode where a Urkel-esque ventriloquist doll comes to life that I do really want to go and watch. Oh, my, it's a Mr. Marvel's situation. I don't like any of that. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like anything that you're saying here. My, my favorite episode. Well, my favorite moment from an episode is where Carl is so overwhelmed with anger 
And he's gone to some anger management class, maybe from work. I can't remember exactly. And he comes up with a song and it goes like this. Three, two, one, one, two, three. What the heck is bothering me? And then he's supposed to like, that's how you self-regulate the anger so that you don't blow up and cause a scene. <laughs> he uses it earlier in the episode and then he looks at Urkel, then he has to repeat it over and over. And then he's finally, it doesn't work and he blows up. You, you are bothering me. And what I love about that is I use that with my own kids. When I can't figure out how to help them calm down, I go to Carl Winslow's Three, two, one, one, two, three. What the heck is bothering you? <laughs> and sometimes it has helped. So thank you. Carl. You oh wow are lying. No, there is that no is way. Hundred percent true. I believe I will, it. I absolutely. I will 100% let you interview my kids. It happened in twenty twenty one, as recently as three <laughs> weeks ago. In fact, so there you have it. I believe it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. TV matters. Family matters. TGIF was huge. I mean, I don't remember a lot of Family Matter episodes. I remember a lot of different moments. But I know, like, these shows were a big part of me growing up, watching TV with my family. I mean, I know we watched a lot of America's Funniest Home Videos. And I wonder, could this show be made today? Hmm. Is, Is this a show that's popular? No way. You know, we've talked about this before on the TV yearbook. While there was cable in the 1980s, so this this show, TGIF show started 1986, 1987, 88, 89. So let's talk about those years. I mean, some Americans had cable, but a lot of Americans didn't have cable. Cable was really expensive. What can you watch? You can watch NBC, ABC, and CBS. There was no really satellite television, which means this show could not survive today. The reason why it could survive is because it was the only family programming. I don't know what was on NBC at 8 o'clock on Friday nights. I have no idea. It was probably like uh, 2020 with Hugh Downs. It was probably, this is Nightline. Well, I'm Ted Couple. That is not a good accent. (laughs) I'm interested in, I think here's the unique problem. And I'm going to kind of generalize inappropriately. So forgive me, listeners. So there's the family that wants to... Not be involved with what their kids watching. They don't want them watching terrible things, but otherwise they're like, go Netflix for two hours and don't disturb me. And then there's the the parents that say no screen time, tightly controlled. You can watch the following things in my presence and their PBS and whatever else, like very kind of restrictive. And then there's <laughs> the the group that's that says we have only so much TV time as a family. We're going to watch movies that we care about or, or that matter to us. Now we can bring them to into TV shows, but I think a lot of concerned parents want to watch the shows first or hear about them somewhere and then bring their kids in. And not a lot of parents have time to rewatch or energy to rewatch a show. So you're missing a demographic out there that will trust the producers to, to say, here's a show that you should watch together as a family. We're going to put out great content that's Shrekish so that everyone's having a good time. And trust us because we're not going to set your kids astray. And we're going to give them, you know, this kind of American value system that uh, we, we hope will make the world a better place and now deep thoughts it's from dom (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I will say, I mean, again, I made this point. The show, it is in syndication now. Someone's I watching. I don't know what channel it on. I know it's in Canada. So people are <laughs> sitting down and watching this show now. So there is something to its credit. Mm-hmm. On, mm-hmm. But also something against it is Urkel is a sexual predator. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if that portrayal would really make it in today. But. Oh, boy. Is Mrs. Claus a chubby chaser? <laughs> Would you all watch more of this show? Uh, I would not. I'm planning on watching the Halloween Urkel doll episode because the picture really intrigued me. I I like the show. It's one of those shows that I would want to introduce my kids to at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think I think like a lot of our shows, I don't think all nine seasons are worth watching. No. But – I think like the first four seasons of this show would be something really easy that you could do. I will definitely show them the anger episode. <laughs> I'd rather watch DuckTales. Woo. Well, all right. Should we talk about our awards? Yeah. It's yes, time. I think that'd be a groovy idea. For those of you who are new to the TV Yearbook Podcast, our flagship superlative award is the Extra Mile Award. See, it's a hard job acting in Hollywood, and many times you have to be an extra. And when you're an extra, you're on screen for five seconds, and you need to make your mark. So this award goes to the actor that went above and beyond, or went the extra mile to stand out in some way. So, who has an extra mile award for this particular show, Family Matters? So I have an extra mile award, and I really feel that this is the most deserving extra mile award that maybe at least I have given on this show if maybe not all of us have given on the show. And this goes to uh, of the pirates in the worst <laughs> episode that didn't have any line. They had to show up on set and work through that hot garbage mess of an episode. And so they really are the epitome of this award and deserve all the recognition that we could ever possibly provide them. So this goes as a salute to all of those pirates that just had to stand there and be a part of it. So that's my Extra Mile Award. I also have an Extra Mile Award, and it's a very subtle one. It's from our best episode. They're sitting in front of the ball, and Steve is out there. He breaks the vase. Laura's upset, and they're having this argument. Steve's being ridiculous. Laura's yelling at him. And in the back... There's a hot dog stand guy yeah. who's selling hot dogs <laughs> in the middle of December I did see <laughs> in Chicago. And I watched him. Of course, he didn't have a line. What I loved about him was whenever something absurd would happen, he would like peek up his eyes just a little bit. <laughs> he was obviously directed, hey, act natural and don't really pay attention to what's going Try on. Try not to stand out. And in his mind, it's like, well, what if there's something crazy going on? I should look. <laughs> and the director might have said, don't look. Please don't. But he definitely struck several peaks, <laughs> and I appreciated it. I saw it, so I really liked the work that he did. Because come on, if Urkel is doing stuff that's crazy, and he's being yelled out by yelled at by a much more attractive woman who is somehow talking to him, <laughs> I'm gonna take a look at that. So you appreciated the layer of realism that the hot dog man offered in this episode. 
I think Hot Dog Man can be absolutely described as deep and layered. Authentic. I mean, it's a great spot for a hot dog stand. Yeah. Yeah. Right outside the mall entrance. Courageous spot there. Real man of genius. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> outside Department's the hot dog guy. <laughs> uh, I did not have an extra mile award, but I did have kind of a traditional superlative for the yearbook. But I have a best dress award for the character Eddie mm-hmm. in the best episode at the end. They're all around the Christmas tree. Everyone's looking their best. Eddie <laughs> has a shirt. Nice shirt. <laughs> On top of the shirt is a vest like I've never See <laughs> so many nebulous, non-symmetrical shapes, more versions of neon that I've ever seen in my life. I had to pause it and look at the vest and study it. So Eddie gets the best dressed award. And whoever's yeah. whoever the designer of that vest is, which has never been worn again, I promise. It's in the Smithsonian. They get a special gold star. Right next to the puffy shirt. <laughs> I have one more word to give. I think in perhaps a new TV yearbook record, have I been, out of all of us, the most critical of this show? Oh, maybe so. Oh, maybe. I think that might be a first. Because Greg loves everything. <laughs> Sodas are great. It's true. The show is great. The worst wasn't that bad. It's all great. But I've been giving a hard time to the show. And here's my award. Most likely to make more money than all three of us combined. And I give this award to Jaleel White and Reginald Bell Johnson because despite the fact that we're making fun of them for the most absurd antics in what became the Carl and Steve Urkel show, despite anything embarrassing they ever had to do, gentlemen, we should never forget that pretty much all of these cast members have more money, will make more money, and will always be more wealthy than all of us combined. So that is my award. Did you know, this is a super spoiler for the series finale. And I don't know if this changes your opinion one way or another, James, but I think Steve and Laura become engaged in the actual oh, yeah. final episode. Yeah, he, in the final episodes, Urkel goes to space. Obviously. He goes to space because <laughs> he's invented a gravity machine, <laughs> which sucks in a satellite, which what? then knocks the space shuttle off course. What? Uh, which he has to correct because the other two adult astronauts have knocked themselves out. What? And injured themselves. But then they need to repair the space shuttle. And because he's the only one not injured, he has to do a spacewalk. And he goes out <laughs> and takes the satellite off the space shuttle, but then floats into outer space. What? Which then mm, he rewires the satellite to thrust him back to the space shuttle. Uh, <laughs> yep. And then uh, he comes back, and uh, Laura and him are engaged and are married. Well, James, it sounds like a very spatial episode. That's, uh, um, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, as whatever you think about a pirate's life for me. Well, we have thoughts. <laughs> I mean, they are continuing the trend for. 
hey, it's the season finale. What should we do? <laughs> Anything. Let's make garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All How about, ideas uh, are Roman good gladiators. Ideas. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> this is the Carl is standing in the middle of the Coliseum. <laughs> Bring it. Hey, hey. Are you not entertained? <laughs> three, two, one. One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send you that clip. It's good. Uh, this episode, that is Family Matters. What do we got coming up next, everybody? All right. Well, our next episode, uh, we are going to continue looking at the series of shows in the TGIF lineup, and we will be looking at Boy Meets World. Ooh. And I am – I'm not going to say it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Medium? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just excited to relive my memories of Topanga. I knew it. I knew you were gonna say that. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just okay. look. She's I'm just beautiful. saying what everyone else is thinking. Yeah, she's just she just had a certain way. She's got a way. Billy Joel. She does. Uh, however, you can you that are listening can check us out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at the TV yearbook dot or no not dot com dot. just at the TV yearbook. Mm-hmm. But you can email us yeah. and communicate mm. with us mm-hmm. and maybe get yourself a little shout out on the show hey. uh, if you or if you email us at the TV yearbook at gmail dot com mm-hmm. or you can find us on Patreon mm-hmm. and you will. Definitely get a shout out on the show if you support us at a certain level. But you'll also get early releases of the episode and some other inside stuff that we maybe will put up there. But anyway, please reach out and let us know what you think of the show and what you would like us to do in the future. Also, we would love it if you would rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. We do pay attention to those reviews, and we would love to hear from you. And speaking of reviews, Gregory. Yes, sir. How is that Mandalorian soda? Yeah, the boba. (laughs) No, I can't do it. (laughs) The Haritos Mandarin soda. And kind of looking on the back. I'm really, really impressed. Not only does this does this beverage use natural flavors. Actually, you know what? I'm not being. I'm done being impressed with natural flavors. Everything uses natural yeah, flavors. Yeah, you say that. I feel like every time. <laughs> That's why I said what I did, James. Oh. Anyway, the point is this. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. What is there left to be impressed uh, with yeah. if it's not the natural, the flavor of the soda and the sugar in the soda? No, no, no. <laughs> Let me like- officially mm-hmm. review the soda if you'll just give me a chance. Okay. Just give I'm, me a chance. The floor is open. Thank you. I was, but you're distracting me with your with your hijinks. <laughs> All right. So this is a Mandarin soda. This is an orange soda. So the first question is, does it taste like Crush? Ooh, that's okay. a good question. It tastes so much better than Crush. All right, so that's the first thing. Okay. Is it because of the natural flavors? Huh. I'm sure it is, and it doesn't have the corn syrup and whatnot. Does it taste like orange juice? No, it doesn't taste like orange juice. Does it taste like <laughs> What else does it taste like? Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> not Ovaltine, not Tang, not whiskey. <laughs> Doesn't taste like any of those things, but 
If you're really looking for a delightful beverage that tastes better than Crush, that tastes nothing like Ovaltine, and only slightly like whiskey, then Haritos might be the beverage for you. Okay. Good. That's a great Thank review. Thank you. I think it's the first real soda review. Yeah, you really done. drilled down. It's a new season, baby. Yeah.